everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Storm King's Teddy, episode 29. What's going on, Kat? Not much. So, uh, just farting around in Discord all day. Yeah, so we're uh, getting our um, our broadcasting channel put together. Yeah, you've put in a put in a lot of work on that. I've just gotten in the guts and make everything work. You did all you did like half of the work by creating the channels and naming everything. So that alone is a feat, but I just I was just getting in the nitty-gritty of everything. So, uh, yeah, I've been kind of going through, I think you have too, just uh, cleaning up a lot of our discords. Uh, yeah. I had like 20 something and I think I'm down to like seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. So I have six as well. <laughs> uh, my uh, criteria was basically which ones do I use at least on a weekly basis? And I yeah. got rid of the others. I, I had a folder of, um, discord servers then there was probably at least 12 in there that i was in and some of them i was in for like emojis or stickers or whatever but i never like actually visited the server itself proper so like that folder was just like why do i have this still yeah and mine was just becoming a headache to look at i had already moved all the ones i cared anything about up to the top and uh so Anyway, kind of been uh, moving over our other 5th edition D&D game, um, and then the podcasting stuff. Yep. So, uh, anyway, um, session 29 last night. What'd you think? Um, I mean, yin-yang, uh, session before last, all n- combat, very little uh, RPing and drama and uh, stuff like that, and then... We come to uh, last night's combat, or combat, last night's session, and it was purely RP, uh, puzzle solving, talking, uh, figuring out what to do, and ended with like eight minutes left before end of session uh, with a combat. Um, Didn't roll initiative or anything, but, you know, next session we're going straight into a fight. Yeah, and uh, I guess... We probably could have gotten into and maybe even through that combat if we would have um, kind of come across the right things sooner. I think that yeah. was the plan anyway. Yeah, um, and we can get into that, but uh, I had a piece of the puzzle that I was being stubborn about. Um, and it'll, when I explain it, it all makes sense, but I had a piece of the puzzle to our problem that I just couldn't figure out how to apply said piece to the puzzle um and have it make sense so um yeah we we probably wasted an hour of just talking trying to figure out what to do when i'm sitting in my chair writhing going like i know what to do i just don't know how to implement it (laughs) well as usual anytime i don't have anybody in particular to blame i just default and blame you yep (laughs) just blame me i'm a bad paladin Uh, okay, so uh, we started off the session um, while we were on that our Gunnison airship that was piloted by Laz, and we were going, we told them that we wanted to go to Chief Gua's seat of power called Grood Hall. Chief Gua um, is the um, chieftain, uh, yeah, she's a chieftain of the Hill Giant tribe, and uh, according to... 
um, Gowernock. Um, Chief Gu is supposed to be uh, corrupted by a curse uh, and um, to have in the past always been a uh, kind ruler prior to the ordining being broken. So that's kind of what we were, um, the information that we were, you know, basing our quests on. And also we had run into uh, that other hill giant woman. I don't remember her name. That was like one of our side quests on our way to Eye of the Allfather. And it was a hill giant female that was brokenhearted and crying every night and freaking out a bunch of townspeople. And we had stopped and spoken with her, got her to go to Stormreach, and we promised that we would look in on her boyfriend. So, kind of came sooner than I, fu- I thought. I figured, honestly, after I the Allfather, we were headed back to Storm's Reach. What'd you think? Um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to expect anymore. Um, I'm just kind of here along for the ride now at this point. Uh, I... I guess we could have gone back to Stormreach, but I feel like, um members of the party wanted to see the end of the the Moog quest that we started when we first set off. And by seeing the end of it just also happens to line up with uh, acquiring a, the conch shell to get to uh, uh, the place where King Hecaton is. Which yeah, King Hecaton's me. court. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I understand. And I mean, eventually we're going to have to be going to these giant strongholds anyway. I just figured that we would head back and report success on some of our side quests. Uh, you know, um, Lady Omarin gave us um, that quest to find the downed airship. We could return her cargo to her, that kind of stuff. Right, uh, but that's not how it happened. That's fine, and we did we did kind of plan once we got the the uh, cloud giants to take us to the eye of the All Father that we were going to hit some of these areas on the way back. I just didn't know that was going to contain any uh, kind of contain any of the strongholds that we were planning on hitting. I, I think the 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 idea is just like well, since we're here. Like, you know, we could go back to Stormreach and maybe resupply or something and, you know, relay information and maybe get a level or something out of it. But I think, like, since we're already out, we're already here, we might as well just hit these places along our way back. And then, you know, once we're done exploring Zendrick and all these quests are relatively tied up, um, I'm thinking there might be a few loose ends. Um, but as long as you know, the immediate uh, quests are tied up and done, then we'll head back to Stormreach. And then we might, after that, we might escapade back into Zendrick, or we might um, get two pieces of that conch shell and blow the horn and go to King Hecaton's court, which I really wish I knew. The Maelstrom, that's the name of it, came to me, got it, figured it out. That's where we're going. Okay. All right, so... In our trip aboard the airship, we did encounter a small flock of pterodactyls, but uh, they didn't attack our ship. It was too big, and 
uh, airships, I guess, kind of freaked them out. Also, we we started off this game, especially me, I started off this game with some crap rolls. I was asked for a perception roll. I rolled a one. I was asked to roll a, what was it, a 12-sided dice, and I rolled a one. <laughs> so the 12-sided dice, uh, I think, was for encounters. wasn't necessarily bad, but... Yeah, I started off the session with a pair of ones. It did get better, but that was kind of tone setting for me. Um, so we also saw from the airship uh, two groups of lizard folk hunting or hauling rafts up and down the Hydra River. The ones that were headed into the Hydra had the raft full of all kinds of food, and the other raft was empty, so they were probably off on a hunting trip to fill their raft. And we surmised that this was probably going to Gua, who was supposedly very gluttonous now, trying to become big. So be bigger than all the other giants. Yeah. And we discussed for several minutes the merits of going down and interacting with the lizard folk. What was your take on that? I was more or less kind of like, just leave them be. Uh, I didn't necessarily see any benefit. Um, not trying to be like selfish or whatever, be like, I'm only doing things that benefit me. But I didn't really see no no gain to encountering these lizard folk. Like maybe we could have like freed them or from like, from like hauling this this food tribute to Gua, but then if we did that, you would probably incur the wrath of Gua, and then there might be more problems than what it was worth. So I was kind of like, okay, stuff's happening. Um, greater emotions are in play and that I don't know about. So I, I was more of just kind of like, leave them be. Um, if the, I did think of a use for them, and if it was like we needed to sneak into Groothog, um, we probably could like hop on their barge and sneak in that way and like be smuggled ourselves in. I explained that as like a, a reverse hobbit of entering the prison via barrels via instead of leaving the prison via barrels. Ride the barrels uh, in instead of out. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, we could use them for that. But I, I again, we were talking and we had multiple ways of. Uh, approaching Groot Hog, it was just like the problem we were encountering was well, once we're in, what do we do then? Um, and that's where you came in. Well, sort of. <laughs> I did devise a plan, and that we we knew that the reason that Chief Gua, the reason she was eating so much, was to become big. Uh, but not necessarily, it, it was never strong. It's just big. I have to get big. And yeah. so my idea was to trick her into allowing me to cast a spell on her, getting close enough to touch her and do a remove curse. And in which case, if this was a curse, it would be broken. So there were, there were a few things to this. The first thing is I had to be able to get close enough and touch her without a bunch of hill giants tearing me apart. The second thing was 
if this curse was being caused by a magic item, I wanted to make sure that she was devoid of all of those when I cast remove curse on her because it will break your, um, it will break your, uh, I don't want to say attunement, but if an item that you have is cursed and you cast remove curse on the person, it allows them to set it aside instead of always keeping it with them. So I need to get her to let me touch her for a spell. I needed to make sure that all of her magic items were not on her so they wouldn't immediately gain control again. And I needed to do it in such a way that she thought she was going to get stronger because that's what, not necessarily bigger, but stronger. So my idea was to take mask and ask them to become something small and they chose a halfling and then after i cast a spell faker you know they would then change into something large like a goliath and the way that i would demonstrate their newfound strength was with our rod of immovability I would stick it in the ground and ask one of the giants to try and lift it. And once they couldn't lift it, and none of us could either, then cast my fake spell on mask, they would transform into the Goliath, then deactivate the rod and be able to lift it. So, and I also had to make sure that I couldn't be held hostage to do it more than my demonstration time and one more time. So to that end, I just used my water skin and I drank half of it before performing this on, on mask. So I'm a little ahead of myself. We set, set ourselves down a little Northeast of uh, the structure and we walked in and we saw, uh, Rook and that, uh, I think it's Rook. Rook. Yeah. It's, it's an, there, he starts with an H. Okay. And Hruk was the boyfriend that the hill giant female had been crying over. And once we told... Also, he has 11 toes. (laughs) Once we told him why we were here to make Gua more powerful, he told us to go away. Yeah. Like, he didn't want that. So what do you think was going on inside the giant ranks? Uh, I don't know. Um, y'all had me initiate the conversation with the giants, and I am not a good face of the party, even though I have built the character to be a good face of the party. Uh, I don't think I'm nearly as good as Lars, though. Um, but you, y'all kind of made me do the talking, and I kind of stumbled over my words because I was panicking and didn't know what to say. And I opened up with like, uh, "We, we gift for Gua," and then you <laughs> and Winifred both were just like, "Well, that makes it sound like we are the food for yes. Gua," and I'm like, "Shit." like you're right i didn't mean i didn't mean that like we're not the food like i'm so like we bring gift for gua Uh, so i was just stumbling fumbling over my words so i was was like please someone else take over i don't like talking to npcs and Uh, that was that was actually a fun part of this was 
the Hill Giants are not what you would call the sharpest knife in the drawer. And (laughs) so our speech patterns had to, if we used a, you know, four syllable word, they were scratching their heads and trying to figure out if we just insulted them. So we had to talk in very basic speech. Uh, So that was kind of fun. And, and Teddy was, uh, I think he was um, really great with the, uh, with Hook. Um, I was RPing him. And like, when we said we wanted to make Google bigger, he's just like, no, go away. Just go, go away. Go. <laughs> and it was great. And, you know, uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, uh, what was the original question? Just what you thought of the, uh, the Hill Giants when we were try they tried to send us away from making their chieftain more powerful. Um, I mean, if it was a different hill giant that we encountered other than Hrook, it would be like, why are you sending us away? But the fact that Hrook was, uh, a for what I'm assuming is a forced boyfriend and he doesn't want to be there, uh, kind of thing. It made it be, it was, it was a funny encounter as he's just like, Oh, go away. Like, don't make a big, um, and he he just wanted us. He just wanted nothing to do with it. And he's like, his life is already bad as is, and we're here to make it worse. So I I didn't get a chance to question any of the other hill giants, but I wonder if they were all like that. Like if they all knew that something was off about their chief. So I like something had been wrong for a long time, and they didn't want it to get any worse, or. I didn't. I don't know because we only got to speak to the one. Oh. Well, um, but then going back to what you said is your whole demonstration, right? Yeah. So you you had a plan. I thought, like, I knew, like, when you said you're drinking half your water skin, I'm like, okay, so he's doing that to prove he can only do this a set number of times. You know, I was with you. I was beat for beat i was understanding it but um before we started recording you told me to ask you about this curtain pulling behind the curtain um uh and apparently there was more to your your little ruse than what happened so i don't know what your what more there is so i'm curious to see what what no that i mean that was the that was the thing so the the one part that I hadn't shared with anybody else was the water skin. Why I did it the way I did it. Because if it worked once, why can't I do it a second time and a third time and a fourth time? And I wanted to make sure that if it didn't work, there was no reason to hold us because I couldn't do it again because I was out of that water. Right. Okay. And <clears throat> so... The So the first part of it went off without a hitch. We had to make some uh, performance rolls, and, we, and that went off actually pretty well. So we had Haruk uh, come over and try to lift the rod, and he couldn't. And as a matter of fact, he tried so hard that he passed out and was going to be killed for, his, for being weak, and we talked uh, Gua out of that. But then the transformation happened. Mask became the Goliath with an eight strength. Isn't that what he said he has? 
Yeah, I think his base strength is an eight. <laughs> so, uh, and then reached down, deactivated the rod, and was able to lift it. And all of the hill giants were freaked out, and and that was awesome. So, we got to be seated and fed while uh, Gua made herself um, pretty. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> and then, Loosely. yeah. So then the next phase was I had to get her away from her magic items and let me touch her. So I walked over to the far side of the room from the table we had been sitting at. In retrospect, I could have done it closer to the tables, but I wanted to give enough room for combat to be spread out, if um, if that makes any sense. Because yeah, I um, knew, like, her guards were probably going to come with her. And it would give you guys a chance to react. Um, yeah. While, while you're setting this up, I think um, most of us, or at least what I was doing, was moving into position for, like, ranges on certain spells. Because mm-hmm. I saw a lot of rulers come out from a lot of characters. And it was around, like, 60 to, like, 90 feet or something. Um at least that's what I was doing. I was positioning myself to do uh, like 30 feet within players and like 60 feet within others. So like if I had to move, I would be within range of certain spells. Uh, so Lars, while we were eating, gave me the piece of the puzzle that I needed in order to completely pull this off. Lars cast Detect Magic and walked up to... Uh, Gua's throne and found out that the magic items that she had on her were a crown, which was like an old well on the sitting on top of her head, you know, with the uh, bucket draw and everything. (laughs) It was just sitting up there on top of her head. That was magic. And it had summoning magic, I think. Conjuring. Conjuring. And then, um, the sword and her club were enchanted. She had a sword piercing through her nose. And her club was called something bopper? Uh, noggin bopper. Noggin bopper, yeah. That was magical. And the other thing was her throne. The It was a giant-ass wagon that she was sitting on. And it had several different overlapping enchantments on it. So I needed to make sure that she got all of those. She was away from all of those. Um, So I told her that she had to come before me, like Mask had done, with, uh, with no magical items. And she says, no. I'm like, okay, well, it won't work if you don't divest yourself of your magic items so i'm sorry i wasted your time and i started to walk off and she wasn't having it so she finally agreed to come before me without her magical items and allow me to work the spell on her so i did the same thing stuck the rod into the ground hit the hit the trigger and asked her to actually try to lift it and she couldn't even stand on her own, so it was just like flopping around on the ground like a job of the hut, and then grabbed it and tried to lift it, couldn't, 
although she actually got a role. The other Hill Giant didn't. So the DC on this was a 30, which basically means that I guess if she would have rolled well enough, she could have actually hit a 30. Um, maybe. Uh, I think uh, out of character um, Mask was saying like Hill Giant's get like a plus five at best right. to their strength. So even if they did crit, it would, it would still be coming up short of uh 30. But then again, Gua was, was the chief physically. Yeah. She's a chieftain. So she might have bigger uh, modifiers and she herself was like twice the size of a no- uh, of the other hill giants. So that could have gone into effect as well. Yeah. So, that's what I was thinking too. So then, but she was unable to lift it. And I said, okay, so now I will. And so I drank the other half of my water and cast remove curse and touched her and nothing happened. And except for the fact that she said that, um, there was, she said that somebody didn't like my magic and gave him a name. Uh, Roa. Roa, yeah. Didn't like my magic. And I'm like, I'm sorry, who's that? And explained that that was the goddess of the giants that were kind of uh, nature-type goddess. Everything is Roa, like the force kind of thing. And there was a whole big, long discussion about that. Uh, But essentially, what I got out of that was that so not a direct curse like we thought, or at least like I thought going in, and because it didn't break. And then they took the chieftain back to the throne. All the magic was reacquired, and I'm like, well, crap. That's all I had. I have no idea now what to do. And so this is where we started trying to parse out and we probably went through this for, I don't know, an hour and a half. Uh, yeah. Trying to, trying to parse out what we could do from here and what was actually affecting Gua, that sort of thing. So I'll let you go from there. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to add is, um, there was also a sleight of hand mage hand, from Portia in case the remove curse on Gua failed and that the whole thing about the slide hand mage hand was to press the button and make it assume like she was still lifting the rod, like the spell worked even though yes. the actual spell didn't. And and but, that and that went off really well. Yes. She was able to mage hand the, the button or the activator on the rod and so the second time that Gua tried to pick it up she was able to so, hey, success, my big magic worked. Right. So, around this time, uh, last night, I feel like I threw Teddy under the bus, which wasn't my intent. Um, so, I'll explain uh, my thoughts and what happened now. Um, so, around this time, you know, curse, remove curse went off, nothing happened. Teddy, he DM'd me, and he essentially just went like, Hey, so uh, your character is a paladin, right? And I go, yeah. And he's like, okay, that's all I wanted to say. Um, 
that's more or less what he said. Uh, didn't tell me anything. Didn't tell me what to do. He just said like, "Hey, your character's a paladin," and pretty much left it at that. So that got me thinking of like, okay, there's something I can do as a paladin that can figure out um, to add my piece of the puzzle to figuring this all out. So there's not much I can do at a level three paladin. So it wasn't very hard to figure out that I needed to divine sense to uh, I needed to divine sense for to figure out what was going on, or at least you know put us on the right track to figure out what's going on. The problem is, is I misunderstood how Divine Sense works entirely. Excuse me. I have used it previously as like a locator for Celestial Fiends and Undeads. As like a, is there any of those three in the area? Um, And you know, if it's a named fiend like Strahd, as it says in the example, like, I know the presence is there, but I can't identify them. So that's, I thought it would just worked as like, Hey, you know, these targets, uh, they're here. There's this number. And there's also a greater presence. Apparently the, it also works on like curses and whatnot. And it also can be a detection for consecrated or desecrated grounds. And I, I, and I had sensed when I cast the remove curse that there was desecration. Right. So I was very focused on the second part of divine sense on the consecrated and desecrated item or land. So I spent at least half of an hour just trying to figure out like how divine sense works. When do you use the divine sense? Um, and like, you know, getting more, definitions of consecrated and desecrated um and to and uh, and the reason why i'm doing this is because i didn't want to metagame it you know teddy's like hey you're a paladin this might help you this you know you know like hey remember you're a paladin because i've been hard focusing warlock for a good long time now so it is a very good reminder that i too am a paladin and i too have paladin abilities that i can use that i not necessarily have been using all the time but again i was focused on the consecration or the desecration of a object or place and the reason why i didn't just divine sense right off the rip is because out of character i knew what to do but in character tabane had no idea or at least tabane wouldn't have divine sensed for that reason. So I had to find an in-game, in-character reason for Tabane to Divine Sense to figure out, to place my piece of the puzzle. Uh, so, like I said, I've been I was looking at Consecration, Desecration, trying to figure out what those means, what they do. I found nothing nowhere fast. So I'm like, alright, let's take a step back. Let's find a reason in the first half, the Celestial Fiends are undeads. Let's find a reason why she would Divine Sense for one of those creatures in this area. Not really going to suspect any Celestials uh, where we're at, so kind of cross that off. Undead, maybe, but there wasn't really, other than like the bones from like Gua eating like a pig or a sheep or, you know, there wasn't really like piles of bones that could be reanimated by a necromancer or there, it didn't look like 
um the the hill giants were zombified or like they were dead and brought back to life so i'm like okay can't really be undead either so that just leaves me with fiends so i went down a whole rabbit hole of fiends of like why um like is like what fiends are what they can do and that got me on the correct path to where i eventually did divine sense but to get there i'm like okay what's a fiend um, and I figured out that a Kawari is, I think, a type of fiend. Um, I think they're special to Eberron, so technically they're not. But outside of Eberron, a Kawari, I think, is considered a demon, which is a fiend. But doesn't matter. I ended up to the conclusion of a Kawari. How I ended up on a Kawari was I remembered our very, well, not our very first, our very first, well, it was. Our first dungeon crawl um, in the hole, and we ended up fighting Steeljack. You know, someone who wasn't uh, supposed to be nice, you know, wasn't acting who they were, and we fought him. And at the end, a quarry uh, was expelled from him, or a quarry came out of him and ran away. So I'm like, okay, that ties up like a quarry can be can possess an NPC. So I'm like, maybe a Kawari is possessing uh, Chief Gua, and that's why she's acting different or, you know, strange in the, in the, in, in her actions. And what really solidified the deal is you guys were talking about Roa and how Roa, this Roa person, was talking to Gua and Gua was saying Roa doesn't like this or Roa this and Roa that. So I'm like, so when I came to that point, I asked the party to recap me on what you guys found out about Roa because I wasn't listening. I was hard focused on trying to find a reason to divine sense. So I knew we were talking about Roa, but I didn't know what we learned about Roa. And so with the combinations of the party suspecting this Roa person is is uh, the instigator behind Chief Gua and the reason why she might be acting different, I'm like, okay, this Roa is an impersonator, uh, this and it potentially could be a Kuwari. So then I asked Teddy, I explained this all out to the team, um, you know, talking my thoughts out loud as I am now, and the big question for me was, is a Kuwari considered a fiend? Because if it wasn't considered a fiend, then I would be at square one again, and I'd be like, well, can't divine sense anymore because it's not considered a fiend. Um, but thankfully, uh, Teddy said... Technically, a quarry is considered a fiend because I have Smiter of Nightmares, thereby allowing me to divine sense. And once I did, I saw there was indeed a quarry in the well um, from on top of Chief Gua. So I'm like, perfect, cool, I did it. I found an in-game, in-character reason to divine sense, and I didn't metagame it, and... <laughs> probably wasted an hour of everyone's time yeah but you came across it the right way yes and i and to me that's what was important is i'm i'm i, I feel so bad because we could have had this encounter an hour ago but i'm like i can't like i can't metagame it i i need to find a reason why she would do this 
So then, after you detected the Kuari, a Dispel Magic got cast on the well. Because yep. we surmised that it was the way that the Kuari was moving back and forth between its plane and this one. And was that Lars? Yeah. I think the idea, um, almost up to this point, I think the, I, I, uh, again, I wasn't really paying attention because I was so focused on how to divine sense that I literally did not catch almost, I was like a quarter percent tuned in to what was happening. So like I was there, I knew, I heard key words and I knew relatively what was going on, but I, I still had no idea what was going on. But to my understanding is I think the idea was to wait for nightfall and then we we do something to that that's where I fell off. I'm like I knew we were waiting to nightfall and we were doing something to Gua um to try and remove this imposed curse to her. Well but what what ended up happening was Lars was like, I am going to perform a song for her. And yeah. I think the yeah. intent was to like maybe um, do like a lullaby and like sing her to bed. So he had access to her at night. But um, I think you or Mask threw out the idea of just like, well, since you're doing a performance, you know, why, does, why don't you sneak a dispel magic and just dispel the well while you're at it? I don't remember which of us suggested that but that is what Lars ended up doing it was a high enough level spell though that it, they had to make a roll and just made it with some self-given bonuses added in yeah a couple inspirations and a racial feature I believe so as soon as that happened the quarry essentially appeared out in the middle of the hall. And normally this, you'd think this was a good thing. The giants would all see this. We would see it and collectively try and put it into it. However, because the giants have been so conditioned by this quarry, they're actually seeing their goddess. Only we are seeing the actual fiend. And um, and only because of Smiter of Nightmares. Yes. And as the Kuwari was expelled from the well, uh, Chief Gua started throwing up what I think was all the food she has eaten up to that point, And she just regurgitated everything and shrunk back down to a normal hill giant size. Yeah, that was pretty disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, her token still has her big old fat, like, you know, the fat bastard. <laughs> um, yeah, but, she expelled oh. everything all over the place. And so really nasty I, stench. And, yeah, I think she passed out after when she was done too, right? Or something like that. Boy, I hope so. Because that's going to be one less <laughs> giant. Yeah. Uh, I didn't catch that part, but yeah, hopefully. Let's go with that. Yep, she's passed out. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so now, um, and that's how session ended, um, was this Kuari was in the middle of the field, and our party can see it, but to the eyes of everyone else, it is going to be their goddess Roa, so we're probably going to be attacked by 
these uh the hill giants and the the frog people whose name escaped me right now bullywogs uh, yeah we're probably going to be attacked by them and fighting the quarry at the same time um and i don't know if there is a spell to like like a like a major image or if, i don't know if how that works or something i don't know if there's like an illusion spell or like a a dispel uh spell or something that can make the quarry be shown its true nature so then the hill giants aren't confused and they're not attacking us and if there is i don't know if any of us have it in our kit well so like you said we haven't even rolled initiative yet this is my this is my number one goal my number one goal is to meet you at some point on the floor on on the floor battle like our first round of movement coming together so that I can get a protection from good and evil on you. That is a concentration spell, which means I will not be able to do spirit guardians. However, my thinking is if this thing's bag is possessing people, the, protection from good and evil should stop it from protecting you from from getting its claws into your head and you can go up and do your big old strike on it um counterpoint i can protect in good and evil myself um okay well that's and i and i have advantage to concentration checks that would be great uh, because then i would be freed up for uh, I just didn't know if you needed that slot for, um, you know, one of your strikes or something like that. But uh, as of right now, if I don't blur, um, I will have two third level spells and I have three first level spells. Um, I'll tell you, I may I, I may end up uh, giving it to somebody else then, or or myself because. I, I really think that's going to be our our big um, our big problem. Right. I mean, I have I have no idea what this thing can do, but obviously it can. It, it controlled Steeljack. It controlled this giant. Why can't it control somebody somebody else? Right. So, um, but going back to my spells is technically i have a first level spell i can use um for whatever like a shield or a, a duel or something um but the rest i would need for a proper epsilon strike like i can do my uh, eldritch smite and then do a first level divine smite but technically i don't have to do i don't have to expend that first level spell for an additional 2d8 um, for a Divine Smite. I, I really need those. I can only do my Eldritch Smite at 3rd level because those are my Warlock spell slots, and they require Warlock spell slots. So I don't have to add on any more Divine Smites, but you know, if this thing needs to die, and we really do need it to die, I probably will be expending some spell slots anyways. So anyway, that was just my idea is to get you to the big bad so that 
you and Smiter of Nightmares could take care of business. And it's a good idea because I am 40 feet away from the quarry, so turn one, I couldn't run up and smack this thing immediately anyways. I would have to action dash to get within melee range or, or hold my reaction as a melee action and attack that way. Like, let it come like at least 5 or 10 feet to me. But I'm, I, I like your idea better of just putting protection of good and evil on myself. Like, moving up as most as far as I can. Protection of good and evil-ing myself. Uh, I can't do any bonus actions because they literally all require concentration. Um, there's a couple things I could do as a bonus action. I yeah. could Hexblade Curse it, which is not a bad idea. Well, that might be my, that might be my turn one. Well, think about that, but and I'm sure that that Lars and the others will get in shots before you actually get up there. Um, but that's uh, I was just thinking that. The more the more people we have protected like that, probably the less we're going to suffer. Right. And also, I could take on four points of exhaustion uh, because I could Epsilon Strike twice. But man, that's, that's dangerous territory. <laughs> yeah, that is. I, I would I would epsilon strike twice and after that I have like hit points are halved I have disadvantage on attack and saving throws like I could do it once comfortably but if I do it a second time I uh, ew, like I would this would be like to confirm the kill maybe and at that point I would just be out of the fight I would have so many negative negative modifiers on me it would be bad well i have no idea how tough this thing is i mean as far as hit points or ac or anything like that but yeah i i'm i'm definitely interested in getting you up there the only thing is if this thing is smart enough it may know that that's what i'm doing and target me and if it somehow you know dazes me or something then your protection will fall so it might be better for you to do your own yeah which i i probably will because um the setup required is just you know action protection good of evil bonus hexblade curse do my movement can't really do anything except a reaction so maybe if i do get hit i could shield um, but yeah, turn one is probably going to be set up for me, but turn two is absolutely an epsilon strike. Teddy, I know you're listening. Be prepared for that. <laughs> uh, well, I think you mentioned then, it last night too. Yeah. And then turn three, maybe I might do a second epsilon strike. I don't know. Uh, the idea is ringing around my head, but I just, <laughs> I would be committing suicide if I did it twice in a row. But anyway, that's uh that'll be interesting to see how that combat turns out. We are speaking of we're not having session next week. Uh oh, yes. That's right. So Teddy is uh, taking some time and 
So we will be reconvening the Sunday after and see how this battle turns out. Yes. Um, that being said, I want to surprise you with something. Next week, we won't have session because Teddy's taking time off. It's fine. Uh, you want to do a rematch, a 1v1? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I still expect fully expect to lose, but this time... <laughs> Uh, I may have something different. I don't know. It Your spirit guardian sucks so bad. <laughs> they're they're but, the best. Yeah. So we at least there we can do like a, a mock battle again uh, like we did ages ago. Yeah, that'd be fine. Okay. Well, I uh, have anything else for us? No. All right. Well, then if that's the case, then... I'll just say thanks again for making the time. Also, for all the work you're putting in on the server, man. It's awesome. Uh, it's fun. I I enjoy this kind of stuff. I don't know why I do what I do. Yeah, everybody's got their thing. So, all right. Well, uh, until we get to talk again and uh, have our next session, um, we'll be talking to you later. Bye.